The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker One sentence summary The Better Angels of Our Nature illustrates why we live in the most peaceful time ever in history by looking at what motivates us to behave violently, how these motivators are outweighed by our tendencies towards a peaceful life, and which major shifts in history cause this global reduction in crime. My favorite quote from the author is, As one becomes aware of the decline of violence, the world begins to look different. The past seems less innocent, the present less sinister. Steven Pinker Steven Pinker is a professor of psychology at Harvard, specializing in cognitive science. He's done a lot of research about visual perception and the development as well as usage of human language, especially in children. The books he's written cover a variety of topics. Among the above are also writing and, in the case of this book, violence. In spite of what the media are telling you, today the world is a safer place than it ever was at any time in history. Steven Pinker explains why violence has been on a continuous decline for the past 5,000 years. To do so, he tells you about the five big motivators of violence, the four better angels of our nature that counteract these forces, and six major historical shifts which have allowed one to dominate the other. Here's one of each of these three categories in detail. 1. Ideologies always start out with good intentions, but can quickly deteriorate into horrific proponents of violence. 2. The Flynn effect increases our ability to reason over time, which makes us less violent. 3. With the invention of the printing press, humanitarian philosophy could spread and further decrease violence across the board. Would you like to get an objective look at how violent, or not, the world truly is today? You're in for a surprise. The Better Angels of Our Nature Lesson 1 Even the most well-meaning ideologies can go extreme and turn very violent. This answers the question, why do things like religion or politics often end in us arguing? One thing that Ty Lopez kept beating on in his 67 steps was to avoid, extre to avoid extreme ideologies. It's something Charlie Munger, the billionaire partner of Warren Buffett, talked about in his 2007 USC Law Commencement Address, and it's stuck with me ever since. Examples of ideologies gone extreme and violent are the Christian Crusades between the 11th and 15th century, the Nazi regime, and the Jihad War, for example. The reason ideologies have a bigger propensity towards violence than all of the other factors Pinker describes is that they target huge groups of people and are aimed at the greater good. However, acting as, or in the name of a group, and for a cause that transcends selfish motives makes it a lot easier to justify using violence as a means to an end. So, what could get us to fall into an extreme ideologist way of thinking? Pinker says, four things in particular make us prone to such violent ideologies. Number one. We think of ourselves in terms of in-groups and out-groups, groups we belong to or not, and it feels natural to antagonize all those other people who, are we, who we consider to be in out-groups. Number two, in those groups, people with similar ideas and values are huddled together, reinforcing those and polarizing them until they become more extreme. This is also known as confirmation bias. Number three. 
We avoid saying what we really think to not upset anyone in the group and go with the group thinking. This is called hurt behavior. Number four. For the sake of social conformity, we tend to punish those outside of our own ideology in hopes of converting them. That's how some of history's worst incidences of genocide started. One person shared an extreme ideologist view with their in-group, they all conformed, and then spread the idea, punishing, intimidating, threatening, and silencing all non-conformers, until the majority of society was part of the group. The Better Angels of Our Nature, Lesson 2. We've been getting smarter thanks to the Flynn effect, which makes us less violent. This answers the question, where does the historical decrease in violence come from? One thing that nips extreme ideologies in the bud is reasoning. Using your rational thinking powers can quickly debunk extreme and violent ideas, and luckily these powers have been increasing across the globe for the past 100 years and more. Named after researcher James R. Flynn, the Flynn effect describes the continuous rise in IQ scores, 3 points per decade on average. You might think that's not a lot, but if you took one of today's teenagers and dumped them in the year 1910, they'd instantly be smarter than 98% of their peers. At least some of this increase can be attributed to the improvements in education and stronger emphasis on teaching children to think critically. Also, kids have to navigate a much more complex environment today, requiring them to learn more and faster. How exactly does this increase in reason translate to less violence? 1. Modern politicians usually peacefully reason their way to a solution together, as opposed to going to war for glory, like kings in the Middle Ages did, for example. 2. Reason debunks superstitious justifications for using violence, like the witch hunts by European inquisitions. And 3. It allows us to think impartially about things and do what's best for the common good, instead of just ourselves. The Better Angels of Our Nature, Lesson 3. When the printing press was invented, humanitarian philosophy started to spread and greatly decreased violence. This answers the question, which epochs of modern history was one of the strongest decreasers of violence? Here's someone you wouldn't have thought of as a fighter against violence. Johannes Gutenberg. The inventor of the printing press gave us a tool that allowed for humanitarian philosophy to spread. A worldview that values human life and happiness above all else, using reasoning and empirical evidence to form its institutions. As this philosophy started seeping into the design of states and governments, between the 16th and 18th century, it reduced superstitious and religious killings, like those from the above-mentioned witch hunts and crusades or other religious wars. Humanism also condemned slavery, which was over time abolished by all countries, the Europe and US being mostly slavery-free by the end of the 19th century. Lastly, in a humanitarian world, even criminals are treated with dignity, mostly eradicating violence from the world of crime, law, and order too. Here's what I learned from The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker. Okay, I know this was a very dense summary, lots of information, lots of facts. I want to return to two specific points, namely the first lesson and the last one. Um, I also want to give you a quick sort of uh, timeline run through of the whole process again, because I think that's really worth noting here. I think it's really important. Let's go. 
Okay, so again, the process of how ideologies develop into sort of extreme and potentially violent, um, how they manifest in potentially extreme and violent ways is the four steps I mentioned in the first lesson, okay? So first of all, we think of ourselves in terms of in-groups and out-groups, right? And for example, let's say you're a Catholic, so you consider yourself in the in-group of Catholics. Everyone who's also Catholic is in your in-group, and everyone who's, say, a Protestant is in the out-group, or not a Catholic, basically, other religions. Second steps. So because the ideas, of course, are shared around this ideology, there are similar ideas, similar values, and what the people do inside the group is they reinforce those values, okay, which is also part of where the, the benefit of belonging to the group comes from, but then they also polarize these values, and they say, well, if this is our value, then the opposite value must be bad, and that's sort of where confirmation bias plays in, because they all see the same values, so they seek information that confirms those values, and then they get stronger and stronger until all other values are sort of unacceptable. Then the next step comes, or in addition to that, we have groupthink, or herd behavior, however you want to call it, where it's basically not okay to upset others in the group, because they're a part of your group, and you don't want to be nice, and you don't want to offend them, so you don't really say what you think, you just go with the group opinion. And lastly, this is when it all comes to shine because for social conformity reasons you try to get as many people into your group as possible and you can't help but punish everyone who isn't in your group in hopes of sort of converting them which is of course ridiculous because if you antagonize people how are you going to get them into your group right like that's never worked that never ever works you the only way to convince people we know that is by getting them speaking to their self-interest, right? So you would say, oh, it's really interesting, you're a, you're a Protestant, and you talk very openly, and then you share about maybe your Catholic views, and then only if you were really open, you would help them get better, and so on, and maybe show them how Catholic values, um, how they can unify them with their Protestant view, and so on, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually the person would uh, come to the opinion on their own that maybe, you know, it's time to convert to, to being a Catholic, Okay. I just picked religion as a random example, by the way, these two. It's nothing has to do has nothing to do with me being anything. So I just wanted to reiterate that process. I think it's really important to just be aware of that. Second, the whole extreme ideology thing where that comes from the Charlie Munger speech. I, that's really one thing I really took away from the Ty Lopez 67 Steps program. I did that when it was like $5 flat fee way, way back. Um I actually learned a lot, so it wasn't that bad, as because people now say he's a scammer and stuff, whatever. Um, so th the point is extreme ideologies, and yeah, so whatever you're tied to, whether that's a political party or or a religion or a sort of materialism, is kind of a is kind of an ideology too, right? The people who just the cult of money. I mean, that's huge. That's the biggest cult in the world, probably. So whatever it is, if it gets too extreme, not only do you get violent, you only you also lose yourself and what you actually want in life. And it's a pretty good way to actually become unhappy. Um, so that's why I like to avoid these. What's very interesting, however, is taking two extreme ideologies and holding both ideas in your head at the same time. Now, that's really interesting. 
So let's say the whole hustle culture, let's take that for a second, okay? Hustle culture, working, you know, you have to, some people say like, oh, you have to work really hard. If you don't work 14 hours a day, you'll never get your billion dollars, whatever you want in life, blah, blah, blah. You just got to hustle till you get it. And then there's the other party that says like, you know what, I'm like professional athletes, they sleep like 14 hours a day and you need lots of recovery. And if you work less, you'll be more productive in that time and it makes you more creative and blah, blah, blah. You need your rest, you need your health, you need to be happy along the way, da, da, da. Right, so this is like opposing views, but imagine, like both of these take them take them standing on on their own, and they're probably gonna be destructive in the long run because one you might get distracted and not accomplish much at all, and the other one the hustle thing if you work yourself to death well you might burn out. So, but imagine you take both of them and you hold them in your head at the same time, and you're okay with living with both of those ideas without fully buying either of them. Where would you end up? Well, probably in the middle, right? Maybe some days when it's really important, you hustle your ass off and you just work till from 8 in the morning to 11 at night because you just have to and you feel like it and it works. And then on the other hand, you might take the whole weekend off and to just recharge and recover and you're home with your family and nothing goes to plan and you can't get your stuff done, but you're with family and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to accept this, appreciate it and be happy in this in the moment. So I think that's actually the more ideologies you can hold in your head at the same time, I think the smarter you get. So knowing which ideology is the right one to follow at the right point in time, I think that's sort of that's sort of what where you really get the most benefit. That's what's really smart. And I don't know if it's a, it was a, if it was a lesson about billionaires or millionaires, but this whole idea of holding two opposing ideas in your head at the same time, I think that's one of their key sort of traits. Okay, quickly about the last one, because I want to highlight where I think this whole trend is currently going. So we left off with the printing press, Gutenberg, humanism, and humanism that emerged sort of out of theism. Basically, you had religions, everyone worshipped God, or or in Islam, they worshipped the Prophet Muhammad, and so on. Now... These were deities. They they came from they came from myths and stories and history, and there was no confirmation, and we didn't know much about that. And then we went to humanism and a very science focused view, right? And that brought down crime. And what James Altucher talks about, and I just learned more about this again today, is he he sees a new trend emerging, which he calls dataism. So basically, we're moving from sort of focusing on on humans and what humans can achieve and the human mind and so on we're focusing on data now because everyone can use big data in their phone like you have i mean even on my website right google analytics it gives me thousands of data points to analyze and i could technically send super targeted ads to people on facebook and so and this whole trend of using data it 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 penetrates everything and and soon it's going to be everywhere too right the whole cryptocurrency situation right now bitcoin having your money you use it transparently you can send it anywhere anytime privately all the data is available all the transactions are public so this whole trend and what does dataism do if you think about it again in terms of rational decisions and how 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 our rational thinking helps eliminate violence well that's extreme right um Naval Ravikant, who's a cryptocurrency enthusiast and also angel investor and so on, he said on a podium recently, I thought that was really, really smart. He talked about how we move from uh, in God we trust to sort of in in, in science we trust and, and now sort of um, in math we trust. 
right? So with the whole softwareization of everything and blockchain, for example, the technology underpinning cryptocurrencies is a huge deal with that, like makes everything, it proves everything with math. And so there's no way for that not to be accurate and that it reduces everything to its absolutely most radical rational core. Now, radical rationality in itself can become an extreme ideology. Obviously, there's a problem. But in general, this whole trend to math, to data, it really, really should reduce violence even further. Um, then again, there's a whole problem with artificial intelligence and whether that might take over and then we have a whole different situation. Who knows what? But in general, I think life's pretty good and it's going to get a lot better probably, even still. Um and so, yeah, so I'm I'm not worried about the future. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I hope you are too. This is a super interesting book. So much more to learn from it. Steven Pinker, The Better Angels of Our Nature. Check it out. And I hope to hear you, to listen to you, or talk to you actually, on the next summary. See ya.